0: Um, Anyone else? How can you be embarrassed at a party? Where is an environment? Yes? Uh, When you show up in a costume costume at a non-costume party. That's called life, Savannah, for you, right? Kind of. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? No one's saying the thing that I am uh, kind of a little bit terrified of in parties? The dance circle? Who loves the dance circle? No, no, no. How many of you actually have rhythm and love the dance circle? <laughs> I, listen, if you put your hand down, white boys. All right, now I'm I'm a white dude, but I got a little bit of rhythm, and I'm terrified, terrified of the dance circle because there's so much pressure, and like I can't JT or Chris Brown unless you can be like JT or Chris Brown. You shouldn't be going in the middle of those, unless you're um, highly under other influences, which you shouldn't be. So you shouldn't go in the dance circle, like. One of the fears I have is that there's just this, everyone's going to watch you, and then you're going to do something embarrassing. And I came across a video that completely, like, in total encapsulates what this looks like. Uh, if you've never seen this before, get ready, because this is, like, this gives me anxiety. It's quite incredible. Take a look. Yeah. 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 Like, I want to be the second guy, right? How many of you would have been the first dude? you like, oh, oh, did you see his face after? Pure embarrassment. How many of you would have been the second guy, just totally stealing the thunder? Right. No, you wouldn't have been. Um, now, I love, I love parties, and, and here's what I know about parties. Um, it has a lot less to do with the things happening at the party and a lot more to do with the people at the party that make the best parties. Hopefully, you figured this out already when you're in your college age, young 20s. Hopefully you figure this out by now, because otherwise you're going to be going to some really dumb parties. But the best ones for me had a lot less to do with the elements or the influences or whatever else was at the party. It had to do with the people I was with. Because whenever I gather all my friends together, we're having a party. Like It doesn't matter. We're having a party. Because, see, a party doesn't have to be a college rager. Maybe that's where your mind goes, like, woo, That's not always what a party's like, sometimes. But sometimes it can just be a gathering of people together laughing together, sharing stories, sharing moments, sharing memories, dancing, whatever it is that's happening, I believe there's a part of, of life that's just best when it's a party. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you got to be wrapped up in it, but there's something to this, this idea of a party, of a gathering, of people enjoying each other's company together and creating a memory, creating a moment. We're going to do that in two weeks. But at the exact same time, I think that, that whenever you include this in your life, you you are provided with this extra breath, this extra sense of this is what life should be like. like It should feel like this, this community, this fun, this enjoyment. I'm going to leave this place tired and exhausted and ready to rally and do it again. And I, I want that for you. Not necessarily all the parties, but I want that life for you. Because I would say that's the full life. And see, the reason why I want that for you, I want that full life for you, is because it's the exact same thing that Jesus wants for you. He wants you to have and experience the full life. He doesn't want you to be alone, siloed off in your own little world, about all about yourself. He wants you to experience life next to others, making memories, having fun, being amongst each other, and being about other people and not just yourself. And so a really good indicator about whether or not you can find that in your life has to completely do with the people around you. You are the sum of the five closest people to you. So right now, I want you to think of the five closest people to you. Who are the five, not in proximity, don't like a one, two, no. Who are the five closest people in your life to you? I want you to think about those people. If the only people you're thinking of are super easy and super dumb, um, Well, let's see, that's math. You might need to get some new friends. But if they're good influences, if they're great people, and if they have the best interests for you and their interests, then you got a good surrounding. You got a good group of of friends. You got a good people around you. And you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy life and have a party. But the whole thing about it is finding the full life, finding the full life that Jesus offers, finding the full life living in community and doing something together. And so in Christmas, in this Christmas season, it's very easy for us to make Christmas all about us. right? How many of you have already made a Christmas list? How, how many of you plan to make a Christmas list? Woo! Woo! All right, never grow up, Ashley, never grow up. Um, how many of you love, because since we're all maybe adults in this place, and we don't do that anymore, even though <clears throat> I did for my mom. Um, maybe you don't, and when was the... Maybe you remember the moment of of Thanksgiving is gone and making your Christmas list and dreaming up the things that you can get. Somebody tell me their best Christmas gift. Can I? A, a GameCube. That was fast. Like you were you still play that thing, don't you? I know, nerd. Um how many of you what was best Christmas gift, somebody? A cruise? A BB gun? All right, a Christmas story. Who else? You got a dog for Christmas? A little itty-bitty puppy like this, yeah. A stuffed dog? A stuffed animal dog? A real dog? Bless your parents' hearts. All right, who else? Best Christmas gift? A car? I want your parents, bro. I mean, I want your Santa, bro. Sorry. Um, Yes, best Christmas gift? Getting to be with your family after being in the military. Come on, bro. Thank you. Now, that is a Christmas gift. And see, here's, here's even an element of that, even an element of that story. A lot of times at Christmas, we make it all about us and about consuming and about the things that we can get. But really, Christmas is, actually should be celebrated in the way and the model of what Jesus tells us and how to live, how to go after that full life. Because at Christmas, we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come to earth. No, Christmas is not about Santa and a Christmas tree. It's really about Jesus, just in case you didn't know that. And it's Christmas when we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come to earth. He did it so that you can have the full life. He did it because he loves you. And so Jesus didn't come to the world as an adult, like riding in on the clouds. You know what I mean? Like he was in an Old Spice commercial. (laughs) Jesus was born as a little baby, as insignificant as you could get. And he wasn't born in a, in a palace. He was born in a manger, which really a manger, like, away you know, like, no, a manger actually was a cut out piece of, like, rock or stone somewhere in this cave or barn place where they would keep animals, this trough where animals would eat. And they cleaned it out, cleared it out, put a, maybe some blankets or hay, I don't know, And Jesus was born, and then that became his bed. He was born into the most insignificant area, the most insignificant moment, most insignificant setting he possibly could have. But he didn't stay like that. He grew up. So he was a baby just like you. And then he grew up just like you. He was 18. He was 19. He was 20. He was 26, however old you are. He grew up just like you. He lived a life just like you. He had friends. He had family. He had experiences, pains, and highlights just like you. See, Jesus experienced life. He was on this planet for about 33 years, and he experienced a full life, and he experienced it so that you can experience it. He's gone through it and made a way, (coughs) because I would say that Jesus loves the party, (laughs) and that's not like a slogan tagline. Like Jesus is not your homeboy. He's your savior, okay? But at the same time, Jesus wants you you to experience the full life. He wants you to experience the joy of that party. And the greatest party happening anywhere for eternity is in heaven, where perfection exists and where we are made perfect and with God. And because Jesus wants that for you, he came and made a way for you to have it when there was no way. See, because of our sin, because of how we were born into darkness, separated from God, we're never going to experience that party. We're never going to experience that joy, that full life. We can't. But then Jesus wanted that for us, so where there was no way, he made a way. And he entered into our story. He became like us and lived the full life to show us how to live the full life. And he wants that for you because of what it says in John 10.10. They'll put it up on the screen. And my son has been, like, coughing on me for two weeks, so I'm trying to get over this, but that's dad life. All right? John 10.10, Jesus says, Jesus, Sorry, I just said Jesus says. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just that you can survive, but so you can thrive. You can experience the full life. But then he tells us how to actually get that full life in John 14.6. I'll put it up on the screen. Oh, there it is. I thought it'd be up there. It's just right here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the life. He is the way. He is the one that we follow because he provides that for us. But if you want the full life, then this Christmas season, you have to start to understand. That means you've got to start living like Jesus. He made the way, and then you follow him, and then you experience that full life the party, the joy of what it is, heaven. And see, this is the exact same thing that nine people two weeks ago experienced. It's when you die to yourself, when you surrender to to yourself, when you surrender to Jesus, you start to follow him, you start to trust him. Nine people two weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving, they, they stepped into that to experience the fullness of that, understanding that, believing that. And you can too, because that's what Jesus desires for you. It's to live that. So let's talk about what actually happened that night, that, that silent night when Christ was born, away in a manger. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. He came to, I'm not going to, I'm sorry, I'm stopping. But let's, for real, let's talk about what happened that night. Because so many times we can totally pass over and think it was this super peaceful, serene, like the, the angels were singing in ah because Jesus is born. This like peaceful nativity scene. How many of you were here two years ago at a Christmas party for C12 where we had a live nativity scene? I'm sorry. Okay. Um, The reality is that night was not silent. If you've ever been around someone having a baby, it's not silent. Okay? And I would argue that it was not peaceful. I would argue it was maybe, perhaps, one of the most intense spiritual nights in the history of existence. You see for thousands of years, since the fall of man, since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Satan had domain. He was running free, running wild, and we had no hope. And all of a sudden, Jesus enters the picture. And I imagine that spiritual warfare that night was like none other. Satan and all his forces trying to do whatever they could to keep Jesus out of this game. Because the moment he came into this game, like, a lot of times we need to just have a proper understanding of spiritual warfare. And if we're going to talk about it, let me give you the right understanding. A lot of times we can easily think that it's like God and Satan in this battle. Like Hassan just talked about it in this wrestling match, you know what I mean? Like you get hype because it's God and Satan and they're even. This is not true. Like Satan is not God's adversary. Satan's here and God's here. They're totally different. God created him. And so Satan has had thousands of years, this dominion on earth, just doing whatever he wants with humanity. And now Jesus, now God is going to enter the picture. Oh, crap. He's going to do whatever he can to stop it. See, this was, this was a war-filled night. And yet it was one of the most important nights ever. Because on that night, and who knows if it was night? Like, do we, we don't know it was night. Maybe it was four o'clock in the afternoon. And Jesus was like, hmm, there's the sun, Okay. But when he came into the picture, here's what you got to remember. He didn't step into royalty. It was a 14-year-old girl that was a virgin and not even married yet that had him. She was insignificant. From Nazareth. Like, you know, who's from Nazareth? That's what they all said. From this insignificant place down the road. She didn't have a lot. He didn't step into riches. He didn't step into royalty. He stepped into nothing. And then for the next 30 years, Jesus lived an insignificant life in terms of the culture and everyone knowing. He grew up with his parents in his family, honoring and obeying his parents. Heaven knows how he did that, right? Because at least when he was 19. Um, But he honored his parents. He obeyed them. He grew up. He had to figure things out. He had relationships and friendships, had a brother. And for 30 years, he did this. And then he entered the ministry And for three years when he was on earth, he went and shared the good news of of God, the good news of the gospel, all of the prophecies being fulfilled for thousands of years that finally, finally, a Savior has come, a Messiah has come, someone has come that's going to fix all that is wrong. But the way that he went about it had nothing to do with him sitting on a throne. It had everything to do with him taking up a towel. And so if we're going to learn anything tonight, it's that at Christmas, if it's really all about Jesus, then the way Jesus teaches us to have the full life is not to make it about us, but to make it about others. Because if anyone in history had a right to a throne, it was Jesus, the king of the world. And yet he didn't take a throne, he took a towel. So let's look. Let's look at the story about how he lives this out through the book of John, chapter 13. You can follow along in a Bible under your chair. (coughs) I'm sorry about that, in your your ears. I'm getting over it. It's my son's fault. But we're going to open up to John, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. They're going to put it up on the screen also if you want to follow along up there. But I want to paint a picture for you of what it looks like to be someone that takes the towel instead of the throne. Be someone that lives for others instead of yourself, because that's how you have the full life. So let's look. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and he, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. So I want you to picture this. They're all sitting like, how many of you know, like the, the painting of the last supper? You ever seen it? How many of you have no idea what the last supper is? Okay, so then every one of you would know what it is. Can you raise your hand and we can play along? Thank you. Okay. So at the Last Supper, we see this picture of Jesus sitting at the table. (laughs) Come to me, children, right? And then everyone here, and they're fighting for the seats next to him. and this is a long, like, luxurious table. It was probably not a long, luxurious table. And they're sitting at this table, right? And now it's argued that this is actually... This meal they're talking about was not the Passover meal yet, the Last Supper. It might have been a day or two days before. And if it was a day or two days before, then they wouldn't have been in anywhere around other people. It actually would have been probably in Jesus' home where he was living. And so he had the opportunity to get really intimate with his disciples. So he has the 12 people that have been with him for three years around him. And they're having dinner together. They're breaking bread. They're having community. They're having a party. And Jesus is sitting at the table, and he gets up. And I would imagine that everyone's, like, done eating. And you got to think, if you've been with Jesus for three years, your eye, like, you always got one eye on him. Like, I don't know what he's about to do, but I got, I got, I'm not going to miss this because he's done a lot. And so he gets up, and you got to think, they're like, it's about to happen. What's he going to do? And he walks over, and he takes off his outer garment. and I'm not taking my shirt off, so slow down. Takes off his outer garment, and he picks up two things picks up a towel, and he picks up a basin of water. And now you got to think they're like, are we washing our hands? Like, what is he, what is he about to do? And he takes the towel, and he ties it around his waist. And I don't know if this is long enough to do it. He ties it around his waist like this. And then continue in verse 5. It says, Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now when he's doing this, the disciples start to freak out. And Simon Peter's like, whoa, what are you, well, hang on, what are you doing? And see, what you need to understand is that how many of you think feet are disgusting? Don't be shy, it's okay. Okay, how many of you have disgusting feet? Guys, this is where you raise your hand. Guys, guys, raise your hand, raise your hand, okay. How many of you think that, that like, feet are pretty? You're weird, Okay. Now, if I, I'm wearing Toms, so if I took my shoes off right now, y'all would have to leave. That's just how it is, because I don't have socks on. Get over it. But back in that day, my feet right now, after wearing Toms, when it just smells like garbage when you take your shoes off, my feet would probably smell like perfume back in Jesus' day, okay? Because you got to think, they didn't have closed shoes. If anything, they had, like, a sandal with a strap. And the roads they used, they didn't have cars driving places with sanitary things, and they didn't have plumbing And so everywhere they're going on the roads, walking places, is the exact same place that the horses and the donkeys and the animals and all the people are walking. And if you've ever walked in a field where there's a lot of patties around, and I'm not talking about hamburgers, it's not easy to avoid things. You following me? And so in this culture, the dirtiest part of the body was the feet. And cleaning your feet was reserved for the lowest Of the lowest of servants. We actually see it in the Bible. It talks about one of the lowest servants in the house. Her job was to wash the feet back in the Old Testament. And so the disciples are sitting around, and this is Jesus. This is the the Messiah. This is the King. This is the coming one that they've been waiting on for thousands of years. He's going to rule. And the way they envisioned it is he's going to rule Israel and he's going to be our King, and we're never going to be taken over because he's here. He's going to have a throne. But what Jesus has been showing them for the last three years is the same thing he lived out the previous 30. And it's the same thing he's showing them in this moment. Jesus didn't come to earth to take a throne. He came to earth to take a towel. And he sat down and he had all the disciples around him. And they came to him one by one. And he took the water and he washed their feet. Their dirty, disgusting, nasty feet. And then he wiped their feet off. He cleaned their feet. And look what he says after he does this to all the disciples, picking back up in verse 12. (coughs) When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher. You call me Lord. And you are right. For so I am. Matthew Henry actually says this about what, uh, what Jesus was going through and reading this. It says, Many interpreters consider Christ washing his disciples' feet as a representation of his whole undertaking, his whole life. He knew that he was equal with God. Jesus knew at this point he's equal with God. And all things were his. He'd have whatever he wanted. And yet he rose from his table in glory laid aside his robes of light, girded himself with our nature, stepped out of heaven, girded himself with our nature, took upon him the form of a servant, came not to be ministered to, but to minister to people, poured out his blood, poured out his soul unto death, and thereby prepared a labor to wash us from our sins. See, Jesus didn't come to earth to take a throne. He came to earth to take a towel. He didn't lord and rule over people. He served people. And he didn't have people serving him. He served them. He washed feet. He got dirty. He gave up convenience and glory and accolades. And he started serving those that maybe had never been served before. And maybe society was going to say, well, they don't even need to be served. See, I would say this, Jesus loved the unlovable, he hugged the untouchable, and he looked at every single person that society said, you're worthless, and he said, you're priceless. He spoke, like no one else in the world, value into people. That the moment you looked at him, you knew you have value, and you are priceless, and I love you. See Jesus took up the ministry of the towel, not the ministry of the throne. What are you doing in your world? Are you sitting on a throne? Are you taking up a towel? Cuz if you want to live the full life that Jesus desires for you, you got to follow him, which means you got to follow his lead. Which means you're not going to be sitting on a throne. You're going to be taking up a towel. You're going to make it about others. Love someone else more than yourself. It's the greatest sign of maturity that you can have in your faith. So who are you loving? Who are you serving? So this Christmas, if you want in on the greater life that Jesus is offering, how are you going to give your time? Maybe for you, it's as simple as finding a friend that's in need and giving them something they're in need for. Rather than you thinking you have to get everything, start giving things. And it doesn't have to be monetarily or or consumables. It can be your time. It can be your energy. Maybe you go and serve at a shelter. Serve those that are in need. Look at those that have less than you and start serving them. Showing them value. Listen, you're priceless. You're not worthless. I don't care what the world has said. And you're not unlovable. I'm going to love you because Jesus loves you. And you're not untouchable. I'm going to wash your feet and I'm going to give you a hug. When you start to do this, you start to rewrite the way people view themselves because you're giving them value. And the thing that I love the most about the entire idea of this, of how Jesus is telling us to live, especially in this season when we celebrate his life, is he's saying this, anyone can do this. All of you have a story. Every one of you have a story. If you're breathing right now, you have a story. And if you have a story, you can determine how you're gonna write the rest of your story. You can try to make it all about you, Or you can start understanding that there's something that unlocks in your life, the full life Jesus offers, when you start making it about everybody else. So at the church, one of the easiest ways that you can do this, you want me to give you like a teed up, just easy home run about how to do this, how to give yourself away, is through these little things. What Hassan mentioned, thank you Hassan, is these boxes. How many of you have seen these boxes around the church? Okay. How many of you have never seen these boxes around the church? Raise your hand. Totally fine. Awesome. Okay. Let me explain what this is. Maybe one of the easiest ways that you can give yourself away this Christmas is by participating in this. So we here at our church, we are part of Twelve Stone Church, the greater church, all nine campuses. We are joining up with Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse. And we're taking all these shoe boxes. This is actually, it looks like a shoebox when you put it together. We're taking all these. No, I can't get it back done. There. Messed it up. Okay. We're taking all these shoeboxes. And we're filling them up, and we're sending them out to children that are in need in other countries. And we've heard stories of people where they want to go to school, but they don't have the supplies to go to school. And then they get this. We get to deliver these, and they get this. And when they get it, it's like Christmas morning, like they've never had before, because all of a sudden they have the stuff that we take for granted. So one of my friends on staff, him and his wife, took four boxes, and they went to the Dollar Tree, And they spent 50 bucks, and they filled up four boxes. It doesn't take a lot to fill it up, but the lasting impression of what you're doing in someone's life is far greater than $50, and far longer lasting than just this Christmas season. It's an easy way to serve. Another easy way to serve along that is whenever you fill it up, we're collecting them this Sunday. This Sunday at all of our campuses, we're collecting them. But the church, I've kind of gone to the staff and the leaders, and I said, hey, listen, uh, we need volunteers I know to collect all the boxes when they come in this week. Um, The 6 p.m. service at Central Campus, we got that one. So now we need volunteers. (laughs) Uh, But I believe you can do it. So my challenge to you is that this Sunday at 6 o'clock, I don't care what campus you go to. I don't care what service you normally go to. I'm going to say let's all have a party and all attend a service together this Sunday at 6 p.m. And so you're going to sign up out there. Right when you leave, there's two computers, you already saw them when you walked in, and all these boxes. When you leave, you can grab a box, and you can sign up and serve, and we're going to help the church collect all of these boxes. Last year, we had over 17,000 boxes collected. Think about the impact that makes around the world. This year, we are trying to beat that, and I think we will, and we can make a part in that. We can make a dent in that. Because the only thing it takes is you switching one thing in your world thinking it's all about you, to acting like it's all about them. Getting up off your throne, just like Jesus, taking a towel, and doing something to serve others. That's all it takes. So, are you going to take up the towel? In your life right now, how are you living? Are you living like you are on a throne? Or are you living like There's a towel in your hand. Like you're serving others. You're making it about them this Christmas. Now, the whole reason I'm saying this, really the the end of it is that we would have a heart change. The means to get there is through serving. Really, the heart change happens that whenever you start to understand this and whenever you do these things, whenever you take action with your faith, you're changing the trajectory of your life and you're starting to live the full life. It becomes like a party. If every single person in here just like cascaded into this building at 6 o'clock this Sunday and we all served to make this happen, it would be a lot of fun. (laughs) It'd be chaos and all the adults would be like, all those kids in there, they're, right? Because we have all these grandparents. I don't know why I just went to that. But (laughs) it'd be fun because you're surrounding yourself with awesome community, with awesome people. And you'd be able to experience a glimmer of what it looks like to live the full life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about, what do you need to shift in your life to take up a towel? Who is the least of those in your world that you know right now? Think of them. Think of a name. Think of a person. Think of their face. You know their situation. Who's someone that you can serve? And I'm not saying you got to go get a basin of water and go wash their nasty feet, Okay. But there's some way you can serve them. There's some way you can show them, listen, I'm no better than you. I'm a child of God just like you. And if you feel like you are unlovable, I'm going to love you. And if you feel like you're untouchable, I'm going to hug you. And if you feel like you're worthless, you're priceless. Who can you speak that to this Christmas? Who can you show that to? How can you give your time and your energy How can you make it about loving someone else more than yourself? And as Jesus begins to prompt that into you, maybe you need to make some changes of plans you got. Or maybe you need to utilize the gatherings and the parties that you have this Christmas season and turn it around into. What's something we can go and do together instead of just being here together? Take action. Make a difference. Live the full life. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to go into a time of worship. And the reason we're going into a time of worship is not just to sing another song, but because I think this is a great way to respond to what Jesus is maybe teaching some of you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's pressing in and prompting you of thinking about and realizing, where do I need to take up a towel? Where do I need to get up from the table? Quit acting like it's all about me and start acting like it's about somebody else. And I would challenge you with one thing. I I would challenge you that if you're trying to figure out, I don't know how to do that, just ask God. What's one thing I could do this Christmas that can, that can help change someone else's life? What's one thing I can do this Christmas to serve someone else rather than being served? What's one thing I can do this Christmas to give myself away rather than thinking I have to make it all about me and consuming? Just ask him, and he'll let you know. And if you want to stand and sing, stand and sing. I'm going to stand and sing. If you want to stay there and pray, you can do it. Whatever the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do, you do that. Do you, boo-boo, okay? You listen to him, not me. And just be obedient. But we're going to open up a time to, to respond to maybe what the Holy Spirit has been pressing in on you tonight. And then as you leave, remember to grab one of those, uh, grab one of the shoe boxes. Grab four of the shoe boxes. Sign up for the six o'clock service. I think afterwards, some people are going to Chili's to celebrate somebody's birthday. Um, so, have some fun. Love what we get to do. Next week, we're going to continue this. How many of you have finals? Mmm. Sweet. Mmm just for you. We're going to pray. I'm sorry that I'm not sorry that I never have to do that again. Um, but good luck. Keep studying. Let me pray for us, and then we'll step back into some worship, some time to respond, and then we'll go enjoy life together. So Father, we love you. God, we praise you that, that you allow us to do this, first off, that you teach us, that you show us how to live. Um, we, don't, we don't oftentimes get it right when we're on our own, because if we're left on our own, we're just going to make it about us. I mean, the disciples were around you, Jesus, and they tried to make it all about themselves. Um, so, Jesus, I'm asking that you would teach us. You'd show us how to make it about others. You'd show us how to give ourselves away. You'd show us how to take up the towel and be a people that take up a towel. As a group, we'd be known for that. Because when we do that, Jesus, we're following you. That's how you show us to live. That's the full life that you offer. So I pray that every person in this place would seek the full life. Give us opportunities uh, to worship you in that way, God. Um, I thank you for your son. I thank you for this Christmas season that we can worship him, that we can enjoy it. That There's nostalgia that we can feel in this season, Father. I thank you for that, for the parties that we're going to have, for the party that we will have in two weeks for the life that we can experience together, God. I ask that you would continue to increase that, that you would multiply the experiences that we have in this place and that you would allow us to understand this is family. This is family and every person in this place belongs here and they're welcome here exactly as they are. So love on us, minister to us, speak to us as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.